0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. All right, continuing on, like I mentioned, what we ministered on uh, our last midweek service, we've been talking about understanding and embracing the gift of pastor. And uh, last Sunday morning, We spent time on understanding we need a pastor. And we spent time understanding how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Because then God answers. God provides because we have a pastor. And we need a pastor. In all honesty, you can't make it without a pastor. That's how God has set it up. But I want you to understand, the pastor has a role. The role of the pastor is to teach and proclaim the Word of God to a local congregation. Because that's how Christ speaks to us today. And the role of the pastor is vital, but I told you, you have a role. These three words are critical. Know your role. And I wanted to emphasize this. I'll emphasize it over and and over and over again. Well, I'll just start with the statement. How how about that? Let me go to the exact statement we made and we'll get to running. So, the pastor has a role. And the role of the pastor is to minister to this congregation. And one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to grieve the pastor. But if you want to grieve the pastor, frustrate the work. Frustrate the work. You will grieve the pastor. And when you grieve the pastor again, because the pastor is how Christ speaks to you, you do your own self harm. And so we need to be familiar with the work, alright? So we said the pastor does need help upholding and carrying out the will of Christ in this local church. The pastor can't do all the upholding, cannot do all the carrying alone. You know, I make these statements, and sometimes I just assume people know what I'm talking about, but I can't always do that. But uh, you can just just write down. First Corinthians 12 and 27 makes this statement. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Our pastor is a member of the body of Christ, which makes our pastor a member in particular. And so when I talk about our pastor not being able to do all the caring, all the upholding alone... That's why our pastor is a member in particular and not the only member. We are members in particular. And we're to do some of the carrying. We're to do some of the upholding. Our pastor has a role. Our pastor has a work. But we have a work. You hear me? We have a work. So you have a charge in this ministry. This is one thing... I can't get enough of saying this is your ministry. This is your ministry. You know, we've made these statements even with our founding pastor. What would happen if our founding pastor wasn't around? This is your ministry. Ministry doesn't hang on one person. Doesn't hang on one individual. This ministry, it, it, all your complaints about your ministry, it's your ministry. What are you doing to make a difference? It's not right. Well, you're not right because this is your ministry. We don't do enough because you're not doing anything. This is your ministry. So if there's work to be done, you've got to do it. You have a charge in this ministry and you have the work of the ministry. Listen, we are Church of the Living Water. Upward. Inward. And outward. Uh, this is the dispensation. The foundation has already been laid. The time is now to establish. The time has now come to build. And I love it. Again, I, I make these assumptions. You can write down. Psalms one twenty seven says, Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Now, now, when it says God is going to build a house, so if we're going to do any building, we want God to do the building. Now, if God is going to do the building, it means He's going to do it by His method. You know, and here's the thing about God. God is not progressive. God is not evolving. His ways are not evolving. His ways are not progressive. Now, now, understand this. Now, here's what happens. I, I told you, you know, I, I didn't tell you. We're going to do a lot of reviewing. I might get to some new stuff. If I don't, that's all right. But we need to hear some things and have some things understood a little bit better than we had last time. But, but here's the thing, so we have people who spend time in the church and when they're young they don't like how church goes, it's boring to them and then they get older and they get in positions where they can put their hands on the work of the ministry, then they want to change things. Now, and I want you to understand that now, I heard it mentioned about the women coming, the women coming are moving on to group me app. That's a wonderful thing, right? I, I don't have any issues with that. You know, we talk about the, uh, the next gen and the, and the service from the next gen and got Instagram and, and, and Snapchat and whatever else, da-da-da-da, whatever. I don't know them. And I, there's nothing wrong with technology. And those new methods, they weren't around. Can, can you imagine at one t- point in time, we did not have tapes. Then tapes came. Oh, tapes changed our lives. We'll never be the same again. Then we get CDs. Oh, we're never going to be, oh, CDs are so much better than tapes. Then we get MP3s. Then we get podcasts, you know, something some that's always changing. And new avenues are good. I'm not discounting that. New avenues are good, but they don't discount the method of God. You do to, to work these new avenues and these new means and, and, and whatever it is to get to people, but the method remains the same. Once you get to them, here's one of the things about Christendom. Christendom and popular Christendom, you know how we like to justify everything that goes on. My goodness, don't go there, brother. Don't go there. What do I mean by that? You know how we say that Christianity wouldn't come to the Indians if we hadn't taken over their land. Whatever. Whatever. That is false. That is untrue. But nonetheless, in Christian, one of the popular thoughts is that, you know, when Israel was under Roman occupation, here's the benefit of the Roman occupation, is they were good in building roads. And so the Christians would take advantage of that. And we have new methods to get to people. New avenues have been opened up. New roads have been opened up. And that's fine. So now we have access to more people. But what you are going to do once you get them? What you are going to do once you get to them? You know, the tried and true method. Once the road has been built. Once you've got Snapchat working. Once you've got Instagram working. Once you've got Facebook working. And you have access to these people. What are you going to do once you get to them? You know, you spend all your time making sure that you had Facebook working and Instagram working and and whatever else working. But you need to make sure that once you have access to the people, the tried and true method of God is at work. You know what the tried and true method of God is? It's the gospel. Listen, listen. I'm going to tell you, and we're going to get to this. You don't need to know much about the gospel. Here's what you need to know about the gospel. You, You don't need to be able to get up here and teach and instruct. This is all you need to know about the gospel. He saved me. I got my penny. You can get a penny too. That's all you need to know about the gospel. And you need to understand this about the gospel as well. Now, now, and, and this will help you. God didn't send Christ to save your marriage. And you ought to have a good marriage. And I'm not discounting good marriages. God didn't send Christ to die on the cross so that once we go to the physical, the doctor says, you're in good health all the time. Woo! And you ought to be in good health. But you know, this body is mortal. And there's a day coming when death will be put under. And so I've been saved that I might be preserved for everlasting life. Though things on this side die, I still have a hope. But that's all you need to know about the gospel. Upward, inward, outward. There's a work for us to do. And God has saved you. He saved you. I'm telling you, if He did nothing else, He's done enough. He's taking you from the disadvantaged state to the advantaged state. He's taking you, no, 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 this is what this means. He's taking you from the borrower to the lender. See, somebody understands that. He's taking you to a different state. taking you to a different condition. Now it's time to work. Turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Let God speak. Just let him speak. See, because there comes a time when baby got to get off of the bottle. There comes a time when baby needs to stop being a baby and start eating some solid food. You know, you saw Tyler and my son up here singing. You know, God is moving. Whereas before we were serving them, now it's time for them to serve before God. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 4. You know, let's read verse 11 first, because this is the familiar passage. We've we read it all last month. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. You know that the he is Christ... And Christ gave us pastors. Okay? Christ gave us the gift of pastors. What I want you to notice is what's before and what's after. Now turn to verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4. And i mentioned this to some of you who heard this before, but Ephesians, I do like Ephesians. I do like the book of Ephesians. There are three phrases that are just dominant to me in Ephesians. Us, we and in him. Us, we, and in him. Not you alone. Not me alone. But in him is us. In him it's we. And so in verse number one of Ephesians chapter four it says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Why does he say therefore? He says because of chapters one, two, and three. Where he explains to you, he's talking to some Gentiles and says, now you were at one time without God, but now. See, you are one time strangers to the goodness of God and all the benefits of his goodness. But now you're fellow citizens and heirs together with the saints of the living God. Now, with that in mind, I therefore beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Says you're called for a certain vocation, and you need to walk worthy of it, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering for bearing one another in love. See, now it's us. <laughs> See, because some of us won't come to church, and all we want to deal with is us. We want to be served, we want to be fed, we want to be taken care of. It's just me alone. But you're not alone. You got to deal with others, and others have to deal with you. With all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, for bearing one another in love, and I like this word that starts verse three, endeavoring. It's not a word we use that often, but I like the term, because we know what endeavor means, right? Endeavor means it might take a little effort. It's going to take more than just a bare minimum. I can't skate by when I deal with other people. I'm going to have to work that's what endeavor carries with the idea of work I've got to work this togetherness and I'm endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace see because it's not just me alone I'm with you you're with me in him we're together now remember because verse 11 is going to say and he gave some why did he give some? Well, he works his way into giving some by saying, "You need to work together." Uh, no, 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 you need to work to keep it together. And I know we don't like the term work. I hear that too much Monday through Friday. We get up, and the first thought is the only reason I'm getting up is because I got to work. If I didn't have to, woo, I didn't get up. Now I come into church, they talk about work, but you got your penny. But he saved you. He took you from the state of borrower to the place of lender. He can ask you to work. He delivered you from the wrath to come. He can ask you to work. He's forgiven you of every sin. The blood has purged you completely. I like the terms in Hebrews. He has perfected us forever by His blood. He can ask us to work. Hmm. Because He says in verse 4, there's one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God. And Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And, and then, you know, you have to understand. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. But, but you've got to be like, was that Peter? Who asked, how many times you have to forgive this person who keeps doing me wrong? And Jesus said, endeavor. <laughs> endeavor? God increased my faith. And so he says in verse 7, but unto every one of us, because I understand, <laughs> we have the attitude of Peter, I've got to deal with these people, I've got to be patient with these people, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And the grace is given that we might work together. And then we, we talked about it again if you weren't here on Monday night, but we, I talked about the phraseology in, in verse 16 because that comes after verse 11. So before verse 11 it talks about unity, after verse 11 it says we're fitly joined. Compacted by that which every joint supplies. So again, in the midst of that, the whole subject really is us being together. Staying together. Staying in unity. And the idea is, it takes work. Mm. So redemption has brought us together. Now the idea here now is that we don't just need a pastor. We need one another. Again, I, don't, I go back to last Sunday morning and people were going crazy. They were enjoying the idea of the benefits of having a pastor. Now I want to tell you, there's benefits of you having your brother next to you. Your sister next to you. Just as vital. Just as important as the role of our pastor in your life. We're fitly framed together. That's what Ephesians 2 says. Ephesians 4 says we're fitly joined together. We belong together a part and a function of making sure that we stay together. You have a function in it. Now, we have taught in other times that we need to finish our course. Which means God has a course for you. Now, each and every one of us do not have the same course. But they all work together for God's plan of redemption. And so what God has called you specifically to do may not be the same thing what God has called your neighbor specifically to do, but they all do come together. And so I'm going to draw your attention back to last month when we were talking about, and particularly Minister Rodriguez used the example of Nehemiah. And I said, that's a nice parallel to you. And so we're going to work with that parallel. And you have to go back and you have to study Nehemiah for yourself, but I'm going to give you a synopsis of it. Nehemiah recognized the need for his people. The walls were torn down. And he recognized we need to build those walls up. See, that's for the sake of unity. And so God placed it on his heart. And Nehemiah would be parallel to a pastor. So God placed it on Nehemiah's heart uh, there's work to be done. And Nehemiah recognized, well, I'm just a member in particular. So he goes to the other members of his community. And he says, members of my community, listen to what God said. Here's the work before us. And they said, you know what? We've been praying for a pastor. And we believe God's hand is on you. So we're going to get to work. And Nehemiah started separating the people. One on this section of the wall. Another group of people on another section of the wall. Another group of people on another section of the wall. And each one of them had a role within the building on that wall. And that's one section's role was not another section's role, but they were all to build. And I said, put your mind on building. If we're all building a wall that's going to be connected, we're going to use the same materials. We might work in different roles, might work on different sections, but we're going to use the same materials. And all and, and, and I want to see, like, if you go to a mechanic shop, if you need to get your car worked on, you go to any mechanic shop, they're going to have tools in common. And so if you can imagine, if we're going to do the work... A building on the wall. We're going to use the same materials. We're going to have the same sets of tools across the wall. No matter what your role. No matter what your course. Turn to Romans chapter 12. It's time for us to build. And the thing about Nehemiah's time... Is when he had work to build, if you came and you showed up, he had a work for you. Meaning there was work for everybody. Meaning there was no one who shouldn't have been there was no one who should have been idle. There's no one who should not have their, had had their work on the building in some way, shape, or form. The only ones who did not thought they were too good for the work. But they were going to be the ones to benefit from it. Mm. Romans chapter 12. Because I, I want you to understand this. Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. See, we have different roles. We've got different sections. So we being many are one body in Christ. And everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Our ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, Now, here's what I want you to see. It does not matter what your gift is. Your gift might be a prophecy your gift might be of ministry your gift might be of teaching your gift might be of exhort it does not matter what the gift or the grace or what part of the ministry you serve it doesn't matter if you are in multimedia or the ushers doesn't matter if you're in the choir or in the children's ministry doesn't matter if you're the office or a greeter it does not matter what you do let me let me make sure you understand this you know you can prophesy and be in the choir you can exhort and be in the choir because sometimes we get this not right thinking. When we think once God has called us and, and let us know about this gift, we need to work our gift in some way or shape, form, or fashion outside of the auxiliaries that we have. And no, you just work where you are. But no matter where you are, no matter what your gift is, when it comes to the materials, we use the same material. When it comes to the tools, we use the same tools. Now, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. So I don't care what you call yourself. <laughs> I'm a prophet. Well, prophet, here are the materials. <laughs> prophet, here's, here's your set of tools. I'm mighty in faith. Well, mighty in faith, here's the materials. Here's a set of tools. They're the same one as everybody else. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I used when I was in the choir. Well, I don't care where you are now. We all use the same tools. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now we spend time with this, and I'm going to spend time with it again. And you'll be okay. I don't care if you give me that look. I heard this before. I can stare you down. And you know you get nervous when somebody on the pulpit stares you down. <laughs> oh my goodness, did you see what I did last night? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just having a little fun with you. This is serious business. First word is brethren. I want to spend some time on brethren. Because the question is who is the brethren? Church of Limon, who who's your brother? Brethren is man or woman. Brethren is young or old. Mm, mm -mm. Brethren are those that get up here and those that never get up here. Brethren would be those who do the work of ministry and those who don't. Brotherhood would be those who've been members of this ministry for a long time and those who just got here. Exactly. Brother would include those who regularly tithes and give in offerings and those who just show up and never give. You're still brother. Yes. Exactly. Hallelujah. Brother would include those who are always involved and those who never get involved. But you're here. You're still brethren. So brother includes brother excludes none of you among us. If you remember this ministry, you're a brethren. I'm gonna go some places moving forward. But but if you holiday, let's keep moving forward. So that's the brother. So he's talking to all of us, talking to us all here at Church of Living Water. No one is excluded. This would apply to those who are in the children's ministry. Those who are in the youth with conviction. Those who call themselves young adults. And those who are outside of every group. You're the brethren. There's some of you who think you have something to offer. And those of you who think you don't have anything to offer. You're still the brethren. So brethren... I'm talking to you. If a man be overtaken in a fall. Now, now first thing is, who's the man? Anyone among the brethren. If anyone among the brethren be overtaken in a fall. Now, here's the thing about overtaken in a fall. Sometimes we're pushed and sometimes we walk right in. But here the Holy Spirit says, "I I draw no distinction between the two. Because we know some people who are their worst enemy. We know people who we have told don't do it, but they did it anyway. But they're still brethren. And if they be overtaken in a fault, you know, overtaken in a fault, what does that mean? They're in too deep. But that's what sin always does. Takes you further than you wanted to go. Takes you deeper than you ever expected to get to. And the consequences are evident. So brethren, you see somebody who's overtaken in a fault. I don't care how they got there. I don't care if they walked into it. I don't care if they were pushed into it. I don't care if they were tricked into it. They're in a fault. And they be brethren. Mm -hmm. They never talk to me, but they be brethren. They never invited me to their house, but they be Brethren. They said on the whole opposite side of the church, but they be brethren. Amen. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fall. Ye rich are spiritual, restore. Restore. Mm, restore. You know what restore means? Something's broken. Something's not right. Something needs fixing. They're in a place where they're hurt. They're in a place where they're wounded. They're in a place where they are suffering. And they need restoration. And when you restore, you can't restore just any kind of way. You have to to restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. And you're going to do it because you're going to consider yourself. Lest you also be tempted. Now, Now what I really want you to see is... Those four words before restore. Ye which are spiritual. Amen. I, you know, I love that. Again, it's the details. Small foxes get things right. <laughs> Ye which are spiritual, restore. <sighs> which says, Some among us may not be spiritual. Spiritual. And the idea is one of maturity. Some of us are not spiritually mature. Those who are immature in the natural are self-absorbed. They can't see beyond their needs. I'm telling you, it's time to grow up. Now, and, I, and I, again, I want to make sure you understand this. You might be new to the body of Christ and the expectation is you're still learning. Some of us have been here a while. I'm going to say amen on that one. Amen, brother. Some of us have been here a while. <laughs> and, and I like how it says it here. Because it leaves it open to interpretation. Because in my mind, it's kind of like a little dig at us. You call yourself spiritual. Let's see if you really are spiritual. Because here's a test for you. Yeah, you may say you make it every Sunday morning service. That doesn't make you spiritual. Yeah, you might take good notes. And when, when they ask... What was the subject? You might be able to tell them the subject, but that doesn't make you spiritual. You might be able to hear the music and know the song from the music alone. Oh, that's a Christian song. I know that song. That doesn't make you spiritual. Church of Living Water. Us having Church of Living Water as a title doesn't make us spiritual. Listen, listen, I'm I'm telling you. We need a pastor, and because we have a pastor, that doesn't make us spiritual. What we need to do if we're going to be spiritual is we need to do the work of restoration. If there's no restoration going on among us, we lack spiritual maturity and we're in a place we should not be. Now, on the other side, because, hallelujah, some say... That you're not spiritually mature, but you ought to be. Let that sink in. Because you sit there and you say that, well, I can't really do that work. Somebody else has to do that work. But you've been here how long? No, no I'm trying to help some of you out. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, be, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, make you feel bad. I'm trying to make you understand God has put something in you. You're saved. He's redeemed you. Uh, especially now you've been here how long 12 years 13 you were born in this ministry and you don't think you have something to offer to other people you don't know what you got you don't know what you have I hear the disciples after Jesus was resurrected from the dead talked with him, didn't even know it and then after they left them they said "Wait, wait a minute wait a minute did our hearts not burn? You don't even understand what good thing you have. It's time to grow up. It's time to be mature. God has... I'm telling you, you are blessed in this ministry. You really are. Now, now I'm speaking to you you who are teenagers. And young adults. And your mama and daddy were here before you were here. And you were born in this ministry. You are as good as raised in this ministry. I know what that means when they say raised in church, but it's different in church a living while. With these serious and committed parents among us. And they put you in a place where you learned to minister before God. They made sure you knew the will of God and the desire of God. It's in you now. You don't recognize it, but others out there who need restoring, you have what they need. He has put you in a high place. You don't even understand it. And there are those who need to be restored who are in a low place. And you, from your high place, you need to come down and provide to those in a low place what you have been provided. See, you don't need to know much about the gospel. You need to know He saved you. You know He redeemed you. He's been keeping you. So you think you are not spiritually mature, but you ought to be. And I know some of you were nervous with the next gen. And they said, we need you to minister. What? You don't know what you have. You have in you what it takes to bring about restoration. Romans chapter 13, turn there. You know, this review might not get far at all. This is the time. Amen. This is the time. 13 and 11. Just just that one scripture. And that. Romans 13 and 11. And that. Knowing the time. That now it is high time. We've been ministering this, haven't we? We've been saying this over and over again, haven't we? And that knowing the time that now, not later, now it is high time. To wake out of sleep. It's time to grow up. Time to mature. Time to get the baby off the bottle. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. It is high time. We told you what high time is. High time means the conditions are right. The conditions are favorable. You won't get a better time than now. It is high time. Turn to Job. Ooh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Job. I believe it's for chapter 32. Job 32. It's these, these two things are the, are the main things on my mind. It is time mm, to let no man despise I you. It is time for you to be an example of the believer. It is time in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith and in purity. It is time for le- to let no man despise your you. And what did I mean by that? I believe the Spirit of God is saying, when people see you, they need to see that you're on God's side. And they need to know you're on God's side and it doesn't matter what age you are because you have what they need. This is how I put it. You have to let your righteousness shine greater than your age. I'm I'm, I'm just telling you the way it is. When I know you better by your slap and handshake than your righteousness you have not recognized it is high time. When I know you by you being dressed in the clothes of the day, but not know you by your righteousness, you have not recognized it is high time. You can tell me who all the latest singers are of this day, all the popular trends of this day, but I don't know you by your righteousness, you have not recognized it is high time. Job 32, I'm telling you, I was called to the ministry when I was 26 years old. And people tell me, this is what people tell me, I don't look my age. So when I was 26, I looked young and young. And people tend to judge you by what they see to begin with. But I'm telling you, once God puts your hands on you, I don't care what you think of me, I'm going to tell you what God has told me to tell you. And I'm going to say it the way it needs to be said. And I remember those times I would minister. And some and people would make it a point. I don't know why they'd make it a point to tell me this. But they'd say, you know, when you got up there, I said, what's this young guy doing getting up there? But after you start talking, let no man despise your youth. You see, and people will want to get engaged with you to get you to see if you're on that level of youth or not. Bring forth that righteousness. Seek the truth to them. Put them right back on the plane of what has God been telling you? What has God been dealing with you about? And they'll have to say, you know what? they just like the old folk. And that's right. Now, Don't bring me no mess. Nice. Don't bring me silliness. Now, yeah! I'm through with youthful lust. Now, Lord. Yes, Lord, Lord. I'm going to work on the wall. And so, this, this in Job 32, Elihu just ministers to me, ministered to me, and ministers to me even now. Because he was not, he just came along. He, he wasn't one of the comforters, he just came along. But he was a young comforter. But evidently he was a young comforter who had been prepared. Who would grown up at Church of the Living Water. <laughs> who didn't know anything but the Word. Didn't know anything but to know and trust God and to listen to His voice. Verse 4, Job 32. Now, Elihu had waited till Job had spoken because they were elder than he. When Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, then his wrath was kindled. Now, again, and I understand, here I am, I'm young, you're old. I've been the one who's been instructed all this time and you've been my instructors, but now you don't have anything to say. But God has worked something up in me. And Elihu, the son of Barakul, the Buzite, answered and said, I am young, and ye are very old. Wherefore I was afraid, and durst not show you mine opinion. Again, not recognizing what he had. I said days should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man. Oh, I love this scripture. This is my scripture. I'm sorry. This is my scripture. I claim it as my own. But there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young I am. There's a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. And if he's given me it, I got something to restore with. Great men are not always wise. Neither do the age understand judgment. Therefore, I said, hearken to me. I also will show my opinion. I love it. I, they, I'm, 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 sometimes what we do with our youth is we always see them as the... I am the youngest in my family. I'm the youngest in my family. And I have come to this realization, I will always be the baby. But I'm going to tell you something. Once God puts His hand on the baby, mama starts treating me different. You know, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I am amazed. I was amazed even as a young man how older people would listen. But I recognize it's not me. There's a spirit in me. And the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. And I'm telling you, you are in a better place than I was. Don't tell me you don't have something to give out to others. It is time. Let no man despise your youth. It is time, the time has come for you that have drifted away to return to your first love. You're on shaky ground. You are not where you used to be and you know it. You were on fire. You were committed. There was no one that came before your God. But now other things have come before Him. The fire is about to burn out. But it's time for you to return to your first love. I'm telling you, there are times that are right. You know, you don't plan in winter. Because winter's not high time for planning. But you have to wait for the season is right. Spring comes. Hallelujah. Your spring is here. No, you didn't hear me. See, see, some of you are where you need to be, but there are others who aren't where they're supposed to be, and your spring is here. The time is right. The conditions are favorable. What did they say? The doors of the church are open? God's hands are open to you right now. And this will be accomplished, church, as Church of the Living Water restores one another. Hmm. The work of restoration is precious. Wow. What is restoration time? What is restoration time? Again, remember, time is precious. And I don't want you to get confused about this at all. Some people don't want to be restored, and we don't have time for them if they don't want to be restored. I know it sounds so cold, doesn't it? it sounds so cold. Our desire is for them to be restored, but we can't want it more than they want to be restored. And if they don't want to be restored, well then, not that we don't have something for you, but our attention has to be be turned to those. So what is restoration time? It is when you have access to those you know need to be restored. And you have what they need. See, if they don't give us access, we can't do any restoring. But once we have access to them, and we have what they need, and I'm telling you, you have what they need, you got your penny. You are saved. You are born again. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have what they need. And look at this. Know your role. You know, some things we're a little bit too needy on pastor about. You don't need to go and ask your pastor. Once you have access to somebody who needs to be restored, Should I do the work of restoration? You know, know your role. That's your role. Do you have access to them? Yes. Yes. Do you see they need to be restored? Yes. Well, do the work of restoration. That's your role. Wow. Now, who are we restoring? Turn to Matthew chapter 15. I'm telling you, for me to repeat the same things to you, I don't care. (laughs) I'm all right with it. If God says minister it again, I'll minister it again. But for you, it's safe. Matthew chapter 15. Who are we restoring? I I want you to understand my concentration in this section of teaching. We are restoring the brethren. Amen. We're restoring the brethren. Who are the brethren? Matthew chapter 15. Oh, boy. Let's start at verse 21. This bears reading. We have to read it out. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. A woman of Canaan. A woman of Canaan. She's Gentile. Gentile woman. A woman of Canaan. Came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. Wow. You know why he answered her not a word? Because his time is precious. His time is valuable. Mm, mm, mm. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and saw him saying, Well, uh, at least send her away. <laughs> but she cried after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him saying, Lord, she made it through the disciples. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's funny to me. Now, that's serious. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, all I want you to see from that, because the question is, who's the brethren? Well, who was Jesus' brother? Who was he concentrating on? Who was he spending time? The house. He was spending time on his house. On the house of Israel. Not that he didn't have something for those who were outside of the house, but his first concentration was on those of the house. Now, now I'm, I'm going to take you back. Let's, let's do some rewind, right? I'm going to take you back. Uh, we've learned in this ministry. We've been told this. This is years ago. We're called to seek and save that which is lost. And we said, when we're going to seek and save the lost, we say we're going to save the man, the family, the house, this generation, and the next generation. Now, now I, want to, I want to throw this in because I, I hear this every now and then. We get confused about it. I hear us say next gen because of the next generation service name. But you're not the next generation. You're this generation. Wow. And, and let me tell you about this now. Because we have people of this house and this family that are lost. Lost is, simply means out of place, out of position. Lost means there's a fault. And we've got to seek and save them first. So when we're talking about our brethren, we're not talking about those who have it all together. We're talking about those who are here now and those who are barely here now. Just because you see them every Sunday, don't let them be out of your mind. There are those who are here on a regular basis, and those who are here, not so regularly. But they're our brethren. Let me say, because we're going to make claims on people. Because once we have access to them, because we have access to some people who were here who are not here now. We've got children that we had when we were members of this ministry from a long time ago who are no longer with us now, but they're our children. And we have access to them. We're laying claims on our children. They might be lost, but they don't have to stay lost. We count them as our brethren. We're going to have people who left some time ago and they're going to come back. And they don't seem to have it all together, but they're still our brethren. They have given us access to them now. There are those who were here and they should still be here, but they're not. We lay claims on them. We call them our brethren. That's why when when we have access to them, it might be grandchild. Grandchild might should be here but might not be here but you have access to them and we still claim them as our own. We're going to restore them. There might be the prodigal son as your child. The prodigal daughter as your child. And we know them as our own. Here's what typically happens. And again, I'm telling you some of you are in a good place. A great place. Here's what typically happens when things like that go on. When they can't afford to live on their own, they act all right. Give them a little scholarship money. Let some school accept them. And then they go and do things that they were told not to do. And we don't see them after they get a little scholarship money. They get a little job. But we knew them as children. They are ours. We lay claims on them. And we as a church may not have access to them, but you as a member of this church do. That's who we're restoring. That's our house. Amen. Jesus said, I am sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We got lost sheep of church of the living water. if we have access to them ever knew them as our own claim them as our own restore so here we go here's a common tool for this work I'm going to say this I think I have it up there on the notes every tool belt of restoration must have kindness Every tool belt. And remember what I told you. There is work for everybody. There is work for everybody. So everyone of this ministry should be equipped with kindness. But here's the thing about it. God has placed you in a great place. There are others who don't enjoy the position you have. And God wants you to take what you have... To provide for them. To bring them up. But He can't work it through you if your heart's not right. Can't work it through you if your heart's not right. God does not deal with working through people whose hearts are evil. Not to get His holy will done. Every tool belt of restoration must have kindness. Again, I'm going to repeat it. I heard it in September. It just resonated in my spirit. We said it last week. Now we're starting November with it. Church of the Living Water, we need kindness. We need kindness. This is a common tool we must all employ. It's a critical tool for this work. Now now, now note this. Pay attention to this. God does not put His hands on tools. God puts His hands on men. Remember we said, except the Lord build a house. Well, how is God going to build it? Because He doesn't put His hands on tools. He puts His hands on men. Men are God's instruments by which He's going to get the building done. And so for God to be kind, you have to be His instrument of kindness. That's just how he does it. i am telling you, just go back and look at the tabernacle. The tabernacle of Moses, what we call the tabernacle, it really was the tabernacle of God. Moses was called to, to, to construct it. But he gave Moses every detail about that tabernacle building. It wasn't man's idea. God's idea. It wasn't man's blueprint. It was God's blueprint. And God said, I'm going to build it. But when he built it, what did he, he didn't put his hands to the tools. He gave Moses the instructions and then he inspired man to put it together. He's doing the same thing with Church of Living Water. But our heart has to be right. Oh, here we go. Now, now this, this does bear repeating. The problem we have with kindness, this is why we need to pay attention to it, is because left to ourselves, we will administer kindness improperly. For the most part, I I can't say everybody does it, but for the most part, in a good number of cases, let me say it that way. Now I only say the most part. In a good number of cases, we do not administer kindness properly when left to ourselves. And the example I give is that we have men who are married, who can be kind to every lady except their wife. Amen. I I didn't get any base on that one, did I? Brothers, are you out there? I didn't say you. I said in many cases. <laughs> you know. you brothers start looking down and around. You know, you just, just look straight ahead. Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. Don't be moved by a woman saying amen. But we got men. I'm talking about church people. You know, you got compliments for the ladies on the job. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to your name. Preach, preacher. (laughs) Notice when they get their hair done. Notice when they get new outfits. Open doors for them. Get out of a chair to make room for them. But you can't be kind to your wife. See, that's you left to yourself on kindness. And, and, And hey, I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. Oh, I just fake it to make it at work. But with my wife, I'm real because we love each other. We got it like that. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go down that road. Let's go down that road. Okay, so, so you're saying you fake it to make it at work. Which means you exercise self-control at work. And there's a word for self-control in the Bible. It is called temperate. So you're saying you're temperate at work. Why are you temperate at work? Because of the money I make. Okay, is that that your excuse? I don't believe it. But anyway, is that your excuse for why you're so kind to other ladies? Well, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about love, joy, peace. And you know, before it ends, it has this one word in it called temperance. So temperance is the product of love. So what you're saying is you love the money more than you love your wife. You're still not right no matter if you fake it to make it. Are you just downright full of lust? It's still not right. But you can be kind to somebody you don't know. And I'm sorry, I said at work, you can be kind to ladies at church. You hug them, but won't hug me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and it works vice versa. We got ladies who are kinder to men at the church than they are to their own husbands. Come home, the husband, like me, you sure are kind to everybody else, but I can't get the time of day from you. What's wrong with this? It is wrong. Your heart is not right within you. We got children saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost. They go out witnessing, but they're kinder to other adults than they are their own parents. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Preach, preacher. Surely the Spirit is in this. And it works vice versa. We got parents who are kinder to other people's children than their own children. can restore other people's children, but can't restore your own children. For some reason, we administer kindness this way. We are kinder to others that we don't know and that we're not close to than those that we're close to. But who was Jesus sent to? He said, I've got to be kind to those in my own house. Because there are people in my house that need restoration. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you about Church of Living Water. We need kindness because we get so familiar with one another. We're close with one another. I mean, we can be kind to the lost who are outside of this church, but can't be kind to the worker that we work with on a regular basis within the ministry. Church of Living Water needs kind. See, y'all trying to make me preach. I don't want to preach. just want to teach. I just want to teach too. That's, that's all I want to do. Just teach it. But we administer kindness improperly. And we don't recognize that our heart is wrong. See, because we'll call ourselves a kind person. Yeah, you're kind to everybody else, but you're not kind to those that you should be close to. Not kind to those that you're in covenant with. So sometimes we just find it easier to be kinder to those outside of our house. And those of our own house, when we should be kind to both. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We should be kind toward those of this house because people among us need restoration. Amen. You know, that's an amazing thing about the churches of America. Uh, we are full of ourselves, people. America is full of itself. I, I, I know I'm American. I guess i got to put myself in that category too. But oh my, the church of America is crazy in a lot of respects we will travel the globe ask for money for jet planes to leave the nation to go to other uh, countries because they don't have the money we have and say we're taking the gospel to them when we got those who need to be restored in our own nation in our own state in our own city in our own families and they're looking there and saying yeah you're kind to everybody else but you can't be kind to me We need to be kind to both. Mm. Look, the Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 4, we won't go there. We looked at it previously. We are to have fervent love among us. And you have to understand, love is kind, not just nice. See, because once I say about us not being kind to one another, oh, we're nice to one another, but we're not kind. We're to have fervent love. And love is not just nice. Love goes to the place of being kind. Mm. And again, in review, some have acts of kindness, but yet lack the heart of kindness. And I'm going to tell you, it can't be sustained. I mean, you can keep up the act for a little while. You really can't. I mean, it looks just like, man, man, that's just a kind person. But it doesn't mean their heart is right. Because, again, when the heart is not right, it will not be sustained action. This is important because people will test your sincerity in your heart. Uh, somebody understood that, right? They will test you, right? You try to be kind, and they're going to be, I'm going to make it as hard for you as possible. <laughs> just because that's what I do. How about that? You really kind or not? I'm going to test you out. I mean, they will work you. Moses had a heart for the people. They worked his last nerve. God had a heart for the people. And again, I'm telling you, in Numbers, I know it's not about Numbers, but when God starts counting, we're in trouble. He said, Ten times, Moses! Ten times, I have not told you this number, but I've been keeping count. Ten times, they tested me. They're going to test your sincerity. They're going to test your heart. And you know what we have to do? We have to endeavor. (laughs) To keep the unity. That's your work. What about their work? I'm talking about you right now. Their role might be to make it as hard as possible on you. You don't know. <laughs> you just take care of your role. Know your role. Amen. Kindness. We're going to end with kindness. We'll go over these things and we can get started with some more things this evening. But kindness is a quality. It is a virtue. Kindness is the behavior of the tender-hearted and the meek. the behavior of the tender-hearted and the meek. Again, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. So kindness is the behavior of the tender-hearted and the meek. And, and, And me, this is just me. A lot of times I like to always look at what it is not so we can get a better understanding of what it is. But kindness is not being mean. And I'm telling you, we as holy people can sometimes be mean in our holiness. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the so-called evangelicals, they're wrong. That is not the way of restoration. To be mean toward those who come from other countries. When God has given us an avenue that we might get to them and might work His work and give them the gospel and this is not a political message this is a righteous message we need to arise and awake unto righteousness and we're called to be kind for the work of restoration and kindness is not mean kindness is not harsh kindness is not full of itself looking down its nose at other people see because we're talking about restoration people will be in mess and you might not be in that mess but it could have been you and maybe one time it was. Amen. Kindness is not short. Refusing to be patient. That's not kindness. Yes! That's not kindness. You're trying to get them off of your case as soon as possible. That's not kindness. No. Is not. Kindness is not refusing to give assistance. you know when you refuse to give assistance it doesn't mean you tell them no it means you ignore you see they need assistance you have the assistance that they need you just won't give it that's not kindness kindness does not deny the benefit of one's resources I've got the resources it's available to me Mm. kindness does not withhold generosity. You know, generosity is not just material. I can be generous to you outside of having to give you something physical, something money. Here's the thing. All these are kind of saying the same things, but they're not. Kindness is not denying mercy and forgiveness. Kindness is not denying mercy and forgiveness. I'm telling you, this this is why when Peter asked the question, how many times do I have to forgive my brother, brethren? How many times do I have to forgive my brother if they come to me so many times and repent? Jesus tells him, don't deny your mercy. Don't deny them your forgiveness. Kindness does not grant help and mercy, but with a price. Oh, I'll help you out, but you know, there might come a time when I need a favor from you. See, that's not kindness. See, I'm going to meet your need this time. But no, I got something coming. And you just be ready. No, that's not kindness. Kindness does not hold your help as a tool against them in the future. To blackmail or manipulate somebody else. That's not kindness. Except the Lord build this house. We labor in vain than build it. See, we're talking about the attitude of God, we're talking about His level of kindness. Kindness is to be tender, it is to be gentle, it is to be loving. That's kindness. That's it It in its simplicity. It is to be gentle, tender, be loving. And don't forget, this is about restoration. We're talking about someone being hurt, someone being wounded. Someone who should have known maybe, before they entered into it, that it was going to end up in a bad way, but now they're in a bad way. Kindness is to be tender, gentle, and loving. I'm going to use what Sister Castillo administered to us on Family Life from last Sunday. She said, kindness is the disposition to to do good. It is the disposition to do good. And I like to think of it as the tangible expression. You leave people with something to hold on to after you're kind to them. You know, it was just so amazing at work this past week. Just talking with someone at work, a, a fellow worker in another area, and just talking. And then he said, I want to thank you. And he started talking. I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? And he, and he was saying, and you know, this message was on my mind when he was saying But he said, I want to thank you because, you know, I made a mistake. And you didn't make a big deal out of it. You know, and I'm thinking, I, I couldn't even remember what it was. But for him, that was something tangible. Something he could hold on to. And it made a difference in his mind. Because he thought, you know, other people would have used that against me and break me over the coals and beat me down with it. But you were kind. The kind tangible expression of being tender in heart. See, if you're tender in heart, there's going to be some tangible expression of it. The kindness is the tangible expression of being tender in heart, gentle. Loving, just like you know, kindness. It's to be tender, gentle, loving. So it's going to be the tangible expression of being tender in heart, gentle, loving, considerate, considerate, hmm. caring, tender in heart, gentle, loving, considerate, caring, compassionate. Oh, compassion is something else. You know, I believe many times we know the word, but we don't know the experience. I will never forget a time God hit me with compassion, and I'm telling you, compassion refuses to sit on His hands. Compassion will move you in the midst of a contrary motion to do something that's compassionate. Wow. Our God is a compassionate God. So kindness is the tangible expression of being tender in heart. Gentle, considerate, caring, compassionate, and then empathetic. I like that word empathetic. Able to understand and share the feelings of someone else. Hmm. Allowing you to relate. It's a tangible expression. That you're empathetic. That you can relate. Look, their sin may not have been your sin. But you know the damage of sin. You know the consequences of sin. You know the impact of sin on the sinner. On the one who committed the act. You can be empathetic. They may not have done the things you did. And they may even do some things that you swore you would never be able to do. But you know the impact of sin. You know the damage of sin. And we'll start with these statements tonight. But kindness is for the purpose of restoration. Therefore, kindness makes room for God to work. Kindness does not do all the work of restoration. It makes room for God. Because when you're not kind... Then people are going to be less apt to listen to the God you serve. And another statement again. This is not all. We'll start with these tonight. Kindness does not beat down; they already beaten down. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry. Please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net dot